Welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, your co-host and moderator for this episode. Joining me is someone who rocks by default because she plays guitar, Lily. Oh, I thank you. You're too kind. And a guy who had as much to do with the invention of ska as madness, Sean. That's very true, and hello. Well, guys, this episode is a real treat. Are you strapped in? Do you have your helmets on? Yes! I gotta get mine. Hold on a second. Oh, come on. I am strapped in, though. Okay. Well, we're not discussing a TV episode or a movie this time. Ahead of the much-anticipated release of the Sharpling and Worcester box set, we actually listened to their first and most famous call, and really a criminally underrated piece of comedy, Rock, Rot, and Rule. So for those wishing to follow along with this episode, uh, Rock, Rot, and Rule is available in the MP3 format on iTunes. It also had a vinyl release through Flannel Graph Records. It's available on CD through Sharpling and Worcester's Stereo Laughs label at StereoLaughs.com. That's laugh spelt L-A-F-F-S. And coming sometime soon in the near future, Rock, Rotten Rule will be part of the massive 16-CD Sharpling and Worcester box set issued by the Numero Group, and that can be ordered at NumeroGroup.com. It's pretty cool when that giant box set was announced a few months ago. Anybody that pre-ordered received a piece of the phone that John Worcester used to make the call. So now on my wall, above my framed vinyl copy of Rock, Rotten, Rule, I have actually a small gray piece of the phone, along with a tiny certificate signed by Tom Sharpling and John Worcester. That's, that's a pretty amazing addition to your collection, really. I mean, what, what an effort they went through to actually to do that, to smash the phone and ship it out to everyone really shows the quality of how this box set's going to be and what how the, much dedication uh, Tom and John have for their work. Definitely, and you can see it on YouTube, them smashing up the phone. Oh, and my piece seems to be from the area that surrounds the battery pack, and it has some writing on it. So here's a hitting play exclusive. The Rock Rotten Rule phone call was powered by a BT905 battery pack. Aren't you glad that you're listening? That's right. You won't hear that anywhere else. Can I write that down? What was that again? BT. That, it's a BT905. <laughs> you can still buy them. Where? Anywhere Uniden phone parts are sold. Radio Shack? Oh, breast in peace. Oh. <laughs> Rock Rotten Rule was originally broadcast sometime in November 1997. Tom Sharpling was hosting a music show on the Freeform radio station out of Jersey City, New Jersey, WFMU. And this particular night, he scheduled this call from author Ronald Thomas Klontel, or so people thought, here played by John Worcester. John Worcester is a talented and accomplished drummer who is best known for his work with Superchunk, the Mountain Goats, and Bob Mould. And he met Tom Sharpling at a show in early 1994. Superchunk was playing with My Bloody Valentine and Pavement, and the two immediately struck up a friendship around their mutual love of the Chris Elliott sitcom Get a Life. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorites from the mid-90s. Very funny. And also, they, they really bonded over the fact that they both happen to remember the obscure MTV VJ known as Smash. Which I've never heard of myself. Now, Tom and John had never done anything like this call before. And fortunately for all of us, Tom had the foresight to record it on cassette tape. 
he just, I don't know, I guess he just had this feeling that it was something that he might want to save, and boy, am I glad he did. Tom ended his music program in 1997 to focus on getting work and had a brief return in 1999. But meanwhile, tapes of this rock rotten rule call really began to circulate amongst the comedy community, as well as amongst musicians that were on tour. And you could really see how this would appeal to both. And uh, Pat Oswalt and David Cross were some notable early fans of this. In fact, Rock Rotten Rule gained such an underground cult status within the comedy community that in the late 90s, I guess David Cross gave somebody uh, at, that worked at Comedy Central a, a copy of it. On the show Strangers with Candy, in one episode, the words David Cross Rules can be seen on a chalkboard in the background of one scene. Because I guess John Worcester wasn't really named in the call, so they just assumed it was David Cross. And if I'm not mistaken, Scott, they also, on that same chalkboard, had um, the whiteboard, whatever it was, had a rock rotten rule of their own set up, correct? Yeah, it was definitely a reference. There, there's no doubting that. So in October 2000, Tom decided to return to the station, and this time he would present a block of music, followed by two and a half hours of call-in talk radio with a comedic tone. And this would be now known as the best show on WFMU, and John Worcester's calls as characters would be a weekly occurrence and a hallmark of the show down to this very day. Tom and John like to often joke around and, I guess, fantasize about this underground music scene in the secluded, wooded areas of western Maine, and they even had, like, fictional articles about it on their website. That, along with their love of the fictional town of Mellonville from uh, SCTV, led them to create this fictional world of Newbridge, New Jersey. It's a, a place where most of John Worcester's characters were calling from or about, and each call, along with being hilarious, really helped build this world brick by brick. Yeah, Newbridge really has a whole Simpsons-type feel to me. This, this city that we don't know, well, we know where Newbridge is, supposed to be in New Jersey, but really a larger-than-life type of city, or town, really, that has, you know, three or four music venues, uh, <laughs> n- numerous sports teams, <laughs> a, a whole history built around it. You know, sports teams have actual... The Ratman, I believe it is. Really funny names. And all the characters, they really took time to build these fictional history of these characters and their families and how they're related and really go back and forth between the calls to see if they can incorporate other characteristics of, of certain characters with other previous calls to make this whole flowing history. Yeah, very, very dense. That's for sure. Now, Tom and John actually started this Stereo Laughs record label, as I mentioned earlier. And from there, they issued many CD compilations of these calls, as well as there's some Newbridge-related merchandise. So, Lily, you can get your Philly Boy Roy t-shirt. Oh, that's that's pretty awesome. And notably, uh, there was a magazine, I forget which magazine it was, but Conan O'Brien named the Sharpling and Worcester calls as one of his favorite things. Pretty high praise there. Definitely. On December 17th, 2013, Tom broadcasted the final episode of The Best Show on WFMU, along with the out-of-character, rare, in-studio moment with John Worcester, and it was a real tearjerker. And you know what it was? is just that Tom didn't have a regular TV job anymore, and he had worked for Monk previously. He has directed some amazing music videos, but, you know, obviously it just is not regular work. And at this point, he was really putting full-time hours in to prepare for really what was just three hours a week on a not-for-profit radio station, so... Something had to give at this point, and unfortunately for everybody, it was it was the best show. And that is so much commitment. You really could tell that he loves the show, and he loved doing it, because who would really, if they didn't love something, put that much time and effort into it, 
without being paid and not knowing that you're never going to get a paycheck from it, it really shows his commitment to to the show and the quality that he, he puts out. Yeah, that's very true. Definitely. Now, I have to mention as a footnote here, Tom most notably directed videos for Ted Leo and the Pharmacist, Amy Mann, The Etz, Titus Andronicus, and Monster Magnet. And uh, really, check these out. These are really great videos. Oh, really? Great. Monster Magnet? That's cool. New Pornographers, I believe, too, correct? Yeah, very much so. So Tom really ended the best show to reassess everything and try to make the show viable. And fortunately, on December 16th, 2014, a little more than a year off the air, the show made its triumphant return, this time in its current digital-only form. The Best Show can now be heard live for free every Tuesday night at 9 on thebestshow.net. That's thebestshow.net. Past episodes can also be downloaded as a podcast on iTunes, and we encourage any who haven't listened yet to really check it out. Yeah, it is really a great show. Now, if you really want to catch up with the show, the entire 13-year run of The Best Show on WFMU, as well as many of John Worcester's classic calls known as Best Show Gems, can be found at wfmu.org. But it all started here with this iconic call. Now, I myself have been listening for probably about six years now, and you, Sean, you're a recent fan, and you, Lily, have never heard the show before, so much like our Star Trek episode from last week, we're going to go into this with about three levels of experience. Yes, which seems to be kind of a running theme on our podcast here, where because I come from a different era, a different time period, I haven't had much experience with the material that we review. You're a resident millennial, and as uh, as we've talked about before, you are about the same age as the Rock Rotten Rule call. Yep, that is true. <laughs> yeah, I think I've got about a couple months on it. All right, so let's get right into it. This is Rock Rotten Rule. Previous to this, there was a lawsuit in the news which Oprah Winfrey was sued by Texas cattle producers, and I guess she had spoken disparagingly of beef on her show, and a lawsuit was actually brought against her, and she had to defend herself at a courthouse in San Antonio, Texas. And she ended up having the judge rule in her favor, and with the media present, she was actually out there on the courthouse steps, and she declared, free speech not only lives, it rocks. And Tom and John just thought it was the funniest thing, and they started jokingly using this designation of rock and then rule in general conversation, and like most of their conversations did, it gravitated towards music, and they thought, well, what if there was a book that actually explained what rocked and what ruled, and there we get the genesis of this whole premise. So, uh, thank you, Oprah Winfrey. So here we have a call with Ronald Thomas Klontel. He's the author of the book Rock, Rot, and Rule, which is billed as the ultimate argument settler. And he, as he mentions, it's a very controversial book with a press run of 35,000. Yeah, that, that is quite a big number. Now, as we gather throughout the call, Ronald Thomas Klontel is a 33-year-old man from Lawrence, Kansas, and he views himself not as a critic, but more of a compiler of opinions. And he compiled these opinions during his six-month employment at Java the Hut, a coffee shop that boasts itself as the home of the bottomless Wookiee. Yeah, it's pretty funny, too, that he also says he went to Gainesville, Florida, I believe, uh, to visit his grandmother. Yes. And that's where some of the, um, the polling also took place for his book. Yes, the only two places of his polling, you know, disregarding the rest of the entirety of the United States, or the world, in fact. <laughs> now, oh, just a side note here. Being a Simpsons fan before being a Best Show fan, 
When I first heard the name Java the Hutt, I immediately remember this as a gag from The Simpsons. But the coffee shop Java the Hutt made its first appearance in The Simpsons in the episode entitled The Last Temptation of Crust, and this was the 15th episode of Season 9, original air date February 22nd, 1998. So a few months after this call, so really Sharpling and Worcester did it first. Trend centers, really. Oh, and another funny uh, part of this call is that Klontel is busy watching a basketball game. Very rude to Tom. Yeah, and his dog is also barking in the call, I believe. Yes, Kenneth. <laughs> <laughs> and throughout the call, he'll be upset at different things that happen in the game. Because as we hear, he has $1,500 riding on it. And to start his way, I guess Wilkins got hurt. And I was looking up to see who this was. This is Gerald Wilkins, who was on the Magic at this time. He was the younger brother of the Hall of Famer Dominique Wilkins. And he was a former Nick that was once billed as the Jordan Stopper during his time with the Cavaliers. And uh, that moniker didn't turn out so well as Michael Jordan and the Bulls swept them in the 93 playoffs. That's another funny thing is Tom is a huge uh, NBA fan. And sometimes you'll get these little obscure basketball references in these calls, which are always very funny. <laughs> so as Mr. Klontel goes on to explain, the idea for this book came to him as he was sitting in his living room with his three roommates just watching MTV. Really an odd place and time to have this revelation. It, yeah, it doesn't seem like that profound an experience. I guess it was just that It Smells Like Team Spirit came on by Nirvana, and he was perplexed and intrigued by the differing opinions. <laughs> and uh, as the call progresses, we learn that these three categories are not so simple. There's very complicated qualifiers, and the rules that Kalantal established at the beginning just seem to get more and more convoluted. Absolutely. I believe at one point he said you can't rock without ruling, but you can rule without rocking, and uh, this whole, oh, and you can't rock unless you've got guitar. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like songs can rule while bands rot, like I Want Candy by Bow Wow Wow was his example, and <laughs> bands can also occupy multiple categories based on their instruments and then the the funniest thing is that bands can be penalized for too many changes or bad songs as was the case with david bowie and the beatles right so throughout the call we'll begin to hear lists of bands and mr clonto will explain where they rank tom will give a list of bands so will callers and in one seemingly innocuous moment ronald thomas clonto claims that the band madness rules because they invented ska <laughs> oh, which is entirely, entirely untrue. Yes, as was disproved throughout the rest of the call, this is really the moment, a pivotal moment in the call. This is where the firestorm really begins. Numerous callers calling in, trying to prove Mr. Klontel wrong. Yeah, and his deadpan responses are just so perfect. Yeah, they're. I think they're really what make the entirety of the call. Well, this is a record that really I've heard many, many times over, but you guys, this was the first time you've heard it, so what were your thoughts? Not being familiar with any of the best show material, and knowing that this was the start of all of the best show, and I know I've heard you talk about it, Scott, before praising it to be hilarious and one of your favorite things. I really loved this in particular, just because... I think it fit my style of comedy, the the type of comedy that I enjoy listening to, with the kind of almost awkward and quick responses mm -hmm. that Mr. Klontel has, and the complete 
bewilderment of the callers <laughs> in at his ridiculous claims. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yes, this is really a, a great call. Being a newer fan to The Best Show, it's really great to see how all the calls that John and Tom do now, how they really started it. You can really see how John and Tom plan these calls out and really take the time to make this far-fetched story that keeps on growing on itself throughout the call. And you can see how people, especially with this first call, would get so upset and, and want to talk about this and... Now it's kind of hard because everyone knows when John calls up. Yeah. Um, you know, because he has a distinct voice. And, you know, when Newbridge is mentioned, it's going to be a John call. But back then, this is this is uncharted territory for them. And I, I'm surprised they got through it without cracking up, to be honest with you. Oh, my so goodness. When some yeah. of these people started calling. But it, it was quite amazing to see, to see how it started. And knowing that they thought this was good enough to really continue this trend when Tom started the best show. Yeah, and I, I'd have to say my, my favorite part of this is really just John's responses. He's so quick, and Tom and John plan this out to a certain point, but when you're taking calls, that's a completely random element. And the fact that he was able to, as you said, keep his composure, and the way he completely contradicted the truth that was being presented to him by saying things like, I disagree 100%. I mean, just amazing, hilarious. Well, you heard our thoughts, so let's hear some more. Before recording this episode, we asked the fans of The Best Show and asked what they thought about Rock Rotten Rule and what their favorite moment of The Best Show was. So let's listen to some calls. Sounds good. Let's get them rolling. Hi, this is Andrew from Indianapolis. My favorite part of Rock Rotten Rule is when people listening to the show would call and interact with Worcester, not really aware of it being a, a comedy bit, thinking this was actually a real author of a real book, um, and just getting so frustrated with his complete lack of research and getting so much information on music and pop culture completely wrong, you know, like believing that Madness invented ska, and just being so stubborn and holding to his point and getting caller so angry and frustrated again not realizing that this is all uh, a bit not actually a real thing and I think my favorite best show moment um, is pretty much any time Worcester calls in as Marky Ramon I've been a huge Ramones fan for so long and I don't know why but just when he calls in as Marky Ramon it always makes me laugh hysterically, uh, one in particular when he calls to promote a, a romance novel that he's written, which then transitions to him uh, promoting a, a Ramones reunion with three drummers and a bass player. Um, but when he promotes the, the novel, he reads all of these passages that make Tom just cringe on the air and just be so disgusted. Uh, a lot of times I wonder if in writing these calls, they would intentionally uh, put in these parts that would make Tom, you know, obviously uncomfortable on the air. So that's all I had. Yeah, the Marky Ramone calls were always hilarious. John Worcester would do this great impression of Marky Ramone, and he'd be 
promoting whatever project he had of the works, like uh, I think it was an airline at one point, and as uh, Andrew here brought out the the erotic uh, fiction, and it got to the point where they really had nothing against the guy, and they just got on this run of Marky Ramon calls that were so funny, but they really didn't want to disparage the guy that much, so they kind of cooled off with it a little bit. That's, that is really funny, using somebody as a buddy of your jokes, really, but knowing when it's time to stop also. Yeah. Hey, it's Dan and Carney, and I would say that my favorite part of Rock, Rot, and Rule had to be just, I think, the ska portion. I just think when it got really hot and heavy with with the ska argument, and the only thing I can wish and hope is that that woman came around to understand uh, that madness rules and that, uh, you know, they invented ska, of course. But, and, and, and just really the calling portion just was beautiful. As far as my favorite part about the best show, my favorite best show moment, I think it was, it's personal, I guess, because I was one of the callers, is, is I just got out of kick. When, when it, when it, this thing seemed to go off the rails and there were about seven calls in a row about shingles and every caller basically having expertise on the subject of shingles all of a sudden and Tom just managing to handle it all beautifully. I just thought it was, uh, just thought it was a madcap piece of fun. It just shows that even if a show seems like it's in the books and you're two and a half hours in, that last half hour can still punch you right in the gut and uh, bring out something wonderful. Just the way Tom is able to work magic off of almost anything in a call, probably my favorite thing. Oh, and that and him psychically knowing that the guy from Trademarks played bass, of course. And just, it's the best show. What can I say? Thanks, guys. Yeah, Dan made a really good point in his call about how on the best show in general, you really have to listen all the way through. You never know when a gem is going to pop up. It could be within the last 10 minutes of the show, the first 10 minutes of the show. So you never can check out early, I guess. You really have to listen through and the last minute sometimes or something that's just fantastic. Yeah, and the show that Dan was referring to, that was a special one. Uh, Nathan Fielder of the show Nathan For You was in studio with Tom and Somehow they got onto the topic of shingles and uh, the ailment, not the building material. And uh, it's really <laughs> I thought it was a build. I really thought it was a building material there for a second. No, no, no. The the uh, the very painful rash, the shingles. And it's worth finding in the archives. And I won't spoil it or anything, but that portion of the show includes a very particularly tragic comic story by the great David Rees, and uh, really worth listening to. And uh, Dan also brought up that the ska portion of the Rock Rotten Rule call was hilarious and his favorite, which I am definitely in agreement with. That that might have been my favorite interaction between the callers and uh, Worcester's character, Mr. Klontel. This is Daniel from Milwaukee, and the reason I love Rock Rotten Rule is it reminds me of growing up as a teenager in the 90s and getting stuck in terrible never-ending conversations in coffee shops with people who are experts about everything. And these people now have the internet as their domain. We call them trolls today, but we used to encounter them in real life. And I feel like the best show as a whole, but Rock Rotten Rule in particular, has kept alive this notion of terrible conversations uh, that force you to reevaluate your worldview, your view of others, and your view of the things that you think you love. I have got to say that I certainly agree with you, Daniel from Milwaukee. <laughs> I love your reference to trolls in uh, modern day because you you normally only hear 
the word trolls being associated with people on the internet, but I they do exist in real life as well. So that was a really interesting point that you brought up. <laughs> yeah, and another good point too is that this is 1997 when this came out. So we didn't have the internet. We didn't have instant access to prove or disprove anything at this point. So for these callers to disprove Ronald's claims, it, it was very difficult. They couldn't go to a Wikipedia to reference anything. It, it didn't really matter anyway, as we'll see in the call. <laughs> But it was basically more your word against their sort of thing. Um, and you could see why they, the frustration came out with all these. And Scott was such a big thing, I guess, in the mid-90s. I don't really recall. It was like a second um, or third wave, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember hearing it. I was never a fan. So this is some of these references were kind of over my head. But it is interesting. And you could go with any genre of music. You could say this about rock and roll. You could say that, you know. Prince founded rock and roll. And you could see that how many people would be so upset about that and calling in. So it really goes for, to any kind of genre of music you could bring this to. Greetings, Earthlings. This is Mick Davis from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Uh, currently record store manager, formerly public radio station manager, where I was fortunate enough to syndicate the best show on WFMU for a while and uh, asked to discuss the magic of rock, rod, and rule. I, I can only say one thing. It always has struck me as odd that long-form comedy has such a short history, but when you listen to rock, rod, and rule, you can sort of see that this is the Rosetta Stone for everything that is coming from Shortling and Worcester for years to come, whether it's the zany phone calls or the in-studio bits or everything, and all sort of magically unfolds from this one situation. As a comedy writers try to maintain the reality in a vacuum, it just doesn't match as to when you actually tell people there's an open line, and I guess that may be masquerading with its own sort of format, if you will, to see what happens. But to me, the best moment on Rock, Rod, and Rule was when uh, basically, madness ensues, and they actually begin arguing over madness. I've always wondered how both Tom and John managed to keep a straight face while someone was about to lose their mind over the fact that they were wrong. Our music fans will lose their minds over pretty much anything. And uh, I guess it's fortunate that both Sharpling and Worcester are also ardent music fans. In the best show library of great moments, it's really hard to choose one, but I would have to say that it would probably be Mother 13's trip up Mount Everest with the polyphonic spree and Clarence Clemens, something that was so carefully detailed and had to be managed that as all of its moving parts sort of disappear there's no predictability to it, and even in repeat listenings, it's like a Monty Python bit. It's so completely circular that you realize that you missed something while you were laughing at the part that was before that. And uh, this sole dedication of that much time, that bit, to make it work, really means that it's not a bit. It's almost like Mother 13 is a testament to, let's call that comedy piece something that's far better than a silly bit. Uh, thank you. Best show for life. Yes, the great new Bridgian band, Mother 13. 
Uh, yeah, and to speak to uh, his point about long form comedy, it, really the luxury that Tom and John have in these calls is they can take all the time they need to. They can just let the bit breathe and develop and take twists and turns and many twists. And as listeners, we're really we're really taken along a journey rather than just having jokes thrown at us rapid fire. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. very true. Yeah, and the way the calls are structured, them starting with this very innocent type of interview or discussion, and they just snowball from that point on and turn to this whole other thing. It's really amazing. And like McDavis said, I can't, I find it hard to believe that they aren't cracking up. Yeah, and Scott, you mentioned before that there is a lot of times they do have a hard time holding it together and actually have little cues for each other to kind of inform each other they are losing it yeah it changes from time to time sometimes it was a little mouse with a cape just ran by that's why there was some silence because john you could tell he has to put the phone down or tom sometimes has to back away from the mic but uh, there's been different things like uh yeah the, the mouse with the cape running by or the, the fact that the window was open and there was a lot of pollen so he had to cough quite a bit it's it's, it's been very funny you can tell sometimes they are cracking up and I, how can you blame them there was uh, something else that McDavid said in his call. He said that basically, this is a rough uh, summary here, that passionate music people will get aggravated whenever someone challenges their belief. And uh, I can't help but completely and totally agree with you on that one. Yeah. I mean, God forbid you say anything negative about Iron Maiden around my stepfather. I. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, uh, my name is Nathan, and I'm from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I've been a long-time Best Show listener. You can find me as Nathan Solo on Twitter. Uh, first of all, my the, my favorite part about the Rock, Rod, and Rule is uh, basically the premise itself, how uh, someone can be uh, so naive to think that they can put definitive lines and rules onto something subjective as art and music. My favorite best show moment would obviously just be the whole thing itself. Um, my fi- the, what I love about the best show is, you know, is the call-in aspect of it, where you get to hear from regular people. Most shows that have a call-in aspect to it would normally be these right-wing radio shows and uh, like morning zoo stuff. So it's nice to get a call-in show where the topic can be anything from you know, um, hardcore pawn to, to I mean, just about anything you can imagine. Chappie, deporting Billy Joel. And uh, obviously, uh, my favorite part is uh, when someone gets uh, bad company, which, uh, yeah, is uh, definitely the best part. Um, thank you, and uh, I look forward to hearing the show. Have a great night. Bye. Yeah, that's Nathan underscore underscore solo on Twitter, not to correct you. But uh, yeah, over the years, Tom has developed some new and creative ways to hang up on callers. And there's the, you know, the gomp, the get off my phone, the heave ho. And for those of you like Lily who don't know what uh, Nathan here is talking about with the bad company, uh, it's when a caller kind of meanders and takes the scenic route, as Tom likes to describe, you know, to, to (laughs) to their point. He'll start to fade up the song Bad Company by the band Bad Company. Unbeknownst to the caller, they can't hear it on their end. And when the song really kicks in, the music gets louder, and it just kind of washes over the call. And when Tom turns the music down, the call is gone. (laughs) 
it's just a brilliant feature of the show that Tom came up with organically one night, and it's just a permanent fixture of the show now, and it's just a testament to the magic of the best show. It's one of my favorite features of the new best show is a bad company, but you can hear it start queuing up, and he actually sometimes has to keep on egging on the caller, just keep talking, because they start to wind down a little bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when bad company Roy kicks in is when he drops the call, so kind of he wants to get rid of the call, and he has to keep him going to, to do that. Greetings, Hitting Play podcast listeners and podcasters. This is Elizabeth from Columbia, South Carolina. I'm a fellow FOT and a big enthusiast of Rock, Rot, and Rule. Um, I actually played it for my brother at Thanksgiving this year. <laughs> like we, As we were eating Thanksgiving dinner, we were listening to Rock, Rot, and Rule. That's how great I think it is. Um, but wanted to share, um, I couldn't rule, narrow it down to one favorite thing about Rock, Rotten Rule, because I really have two favorite things about it that immediately came to mind when I got um, this request. And so the two things that immediately came to mind were I love the subtlety and the brilliance of having the three ratings in the Rock Rotten Rule rating system be so difficult to distinguish audibly. I love the way, you know, it's supposed to be the ultimate argument settler, and obviously what it really is is the ultimate argument creator, but it also creates an argument within the listener as to, like, what did they just say? (laughs) Was that a rot or a rock? I don't know. So I feel like that was, like, a really, really clever touch that um, we've all come to to expect and and love from Sharpling and Worcester. And then my um, other favorite part of Rock, Rot, and Rule are the ultimate rocker, ultimate ruler, and ultimate rotter, which could not be more perfect. Every time I play this for people, near the end when – Queen is ruled uh, the most ruling band, ACDC is ruled the most rocking band, and Billy Joel is ruled the most rotten possible band. Every time I play that for somebody, they're like, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly right. You cannot argue with that. You cannot argue with those three ratings because they are perfect and because they are unassailable in every way. Uh, the first time I heard it, uh, I was at a friend's house, and we were listening to it on vinyl, and it, it came to that part, and I, I literally was I was cracking up, you know, through that whole segment, and when they got to rot, I said, I, I thought and said, it's got to be Billy Joel, and it, it was, and, and so that was just a really great moment. It was also great because... The friend whose house I was at, the first record he ever bought was Glass Houses by Billy Joel. And obviously, I will never let him live that down. So, here's to a great Hitting Play podcast this week. I I hope you get some great calls and uh, look forward to to hearing some other That That was the most pleasant greeting, I think, that we've ever gotten. So, thank you for that, Elizabeth. Yes, thank you. Yeah, you got a little cut off there. Sorry about that. But as you're saying, the brilliance of the bit really is in the simplicity just the notion that everything has to fit within the parameters of these three categories is just so funny when the woman calls in and says that she doesn't really understand and she can't even hear him distinguish between rock and rot and then uh, uh worcester 
purposefully makes his words difficult to understand. <laughs> yes. It was just absolutely hilarious. So I agree with you there. That brilliant. And as she brought out about Billy Joel, that's really something that struck me upon revisiting Rock, Rotten, Rule, is that this is just a theme that's carried through the best show all the way down to this day, just calling out Billy Joel for his terrible music. And whether you agree or disagree, it's just hilarious the way it's been handled by Tom over the years. In fact, even recently with the hashtags for the show, Deport Billy Joel, as was mentioned, and Billy Joel <laughs> Arsonist. So funny. Hi, uh, this is Sasha from Toronto, and what I like about Rot Run Rule, most of all, is probably John's performance throughout the whole thing. It's deadpan, and as much as people are yelling at him, he's always in character, and it's just a flat-out, for something that they did as their first thing, and have that idea be so cohesive and kind of strong, and that performance particular being really strong is something that's kind of amazing that they were able to kind of figure out something that hasn't been really done on the radio like that anymore. And my favorite best show moment was probably when uh, a woman called who probably wasn't too familiar with the show called about uh, a recurring problem of child-on-child violence. And uh, Tom kind of, he accepts the idea kind of weirdly and then kind of politely kind of dumps her off the phone and it's it's amazing i think it's one of the funniest things i've ever heard and yeah there's so many so many good best show moments i i just think that's the, one of my favorites all right so bye yeah that moment where that lady called was so funny and it, it you know in the later years of the best show on wfmu it didn't happen that often uh where a person wasn't aware what kind of show it was so that was just kind of like a a late very late occurrence of a caller like that, and like Sasha said, the way that Tom handled it was so funny. It's worth try. I'm not sure which episode it is in the archives, but it's worth digging out. Very, very funny. And I definitely have to agree with uh, Sasha with uh, Worcester's performance throughout the entirety of the call. Just like I'll use the exact same words, completely deadpan, absolutely hilarious. Just n- absolutely no reaction time. Just. When Tom asks him, well, can can a band uh, rock without ruling? And just, just split second, never. <laughs> yes. Just absolutely amazing. <laughs> the only real reaction he had was uh, thinking about this basketball game playing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he just blocked him. The most emotion he showed throughout the entire uh, call. Oh, hi, guys. This is uh, Steve in North Hollywood. Uh, thanks for letting me call in. So if I were to narrow down my favorite rock, rot, and rule moment, uh, I just listened to it again, and it would have to be after many minutes of people calling in to argue about uh, whether or not Madness invented ska. Um, a guy calls in, and he says he's holding a record in his hand from, I believe, 19... Uh, well, it's it's uh, like a best of ska, 1966 through 69, I think. And um, he says... <laughs> Uh, the very first song on the album is by the Scottalites, and then uh, Ronald Thomas Quantel immediately interrupts him and goes, and it's called Our House. And then uh, the guy insults Ronald Thomas Quantel, and Tom has to hang up on him. And, uh, yeah, just that that exchange right there is, uh, I mean, is it the best? I don't know, but it's certainly my favorite because it just encapsulates just that, uh, that, that perfect sort of slap shot humor that... Uh, that those guys manage to do every once in a while to really just get under a caller's skin and make us listeners laugh. 
Um, I don't know how I could possibly narrow down my favorite moment from the best reel, but uh, I was just listening to this week's episode, and Tom wound up on the topic of uh, the movie AI, Artificial Intelligence, and he made the joke of, uh, <laughs> it's as if... Uh, it's as if a bunch of filmmakers uh, said, what if we make a movie where we torture a kid for 4,000 years? And uh, that cracked me up pretty uh, pretty good. And that just sort of reminds me of part of the reason why I fell in love with the best show is that uh, Tom really has this really good radar for kind of detecting, you know, BS in popular culture and whatnot. And, you know, as with the, the recent uh, string of Billy Joel hashtags, it's sort of like, He's done a great job of pointing out things that everybody seems to just glom onto and think are perfectly great, and he, uh, you know, he lets us know why they're actually not great and why we should be looking for even better things in life and in pop culture. And that's why I love the best show. Guys, have a great show. Thanks so much for this opportunity. Have a great night. Peace. I don't know if you guys were aware of it. That was the star of Sharknado, Steve from North Hollywood, checking in. Oh, wow. <laughs> Steve was in that movie. Sharknado. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, he was a uh, store clerk, I believe. It was pretty awesome. But he did make a great point um, about how Tom has these opinions, and really they're, they're the opinions that people are thinking but don't want to say or or don't have the courage to say a lot of times about things. Like AI, for example. If you ever saw that movie, it was it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but everybody has this opinion, like, oh, yeah, it was it was pretty good, I guess, you know, and it really, it was directed by, who was directed by? Spielberg. Spielberg, is that Spielberg? So, you know, we can't, of course, say anything bad about Spielberg, and so it must be good. It was horrible. It was, <laughs> it was, it, it was a really bad movie, and Tom really shows it how it is and puts it on the line and says, yeah, this is bad, and Billy Joel is, you know, praised as this great songwriter and musician, and, you know, he had... Some good songs, I guess, but he had a lot of stinkers too, and a really uh, <laughs> quote unquote quote unquote stinkers. stinkers. Yeah, it just really kind of lets you express what what we're really thinking through Tom. Yeah, and Tom is an expert not just at like tearing down pop culture, but expertly dissecting it, and that's what made 2014 so hard with No Best Show. We as the listening audience, we just had to sit there for a year. Seeing the year's worst in TV, movies, and, and music. And we just had a wonder, like, oh, I wish I could hear Tom talk about this. That's why it's so great that the best show is back. Hi, I'm Dave from Knoxville. And uh, I have a confession to make. I've never heard all of Rock, Rotten, Rule. I have heard excerpts uh, from it. Um, it's, it's posted pretty much all over the Internet. But um, last summer, uh, I had an opportunity to meet Tom uh, and uh, uh, purchased a copy of it. It was at uh, uh, the Edsys record store, Fond Object, and purchased a copy and had Tom sign it. And it was like those old Lucy episodes where Lucy would meet a celebrity and she'd shake their hand. And she'd say, oh, I'm never going to wash my hands again. Uh, once Tom signed that thing, uh, it's pristine. And the needle has never touched it. I, it's hard for me to pick a, a, a best moment from the best show, but I, I'll tell you something else that's kind of funny is the first time I ever turned it on, it was at the end of a Worcester call. I mean, like the tail end, the last minute or so. And so I turned on the radio, and here, here's this, I don't you know, no telling which character it was, and this guy's just going nuts. 
and uh, uh, and hangs up at the end. So I thought, well, this is this is crazy, and I kind of settled in with the rest of the show and listened. So I turned it in, turned it on the next week at the start of the show, and uh, when the Worcester call came on, I'm about a minute into it, and I start thinking, hey, th- this guy sounds just like that guy, but he's he's not the he's claiming to be somebody else. And for for just a minute, I I thought about calling the show and telling him, I think this guy's uh, trying to pull an act on you. So uh, how dumb I am! But uh, anyway, figured it out pretty quick. Um, Pudge, anytime Pudge shows up, is probably my favorite moment. And uh, how could I how could I ever top being named a super caller? Love the show. Hope your podcast works out great. Yes, that was Super Caller Dave from Knoxville. And I, I can totally understand where Dave's coming from. It's different for you guys since, you know, I introduced you to the best show and kind of started you on these calls, you know, the gems and everything. But as somebody that also found the show by accident, you know, by myself, I had no idea what was going on when I first heard John Worcester call into the show. I'm just like, this guy is crazy. And Tom is just showing such amazing patience and restraint in dealing with him. I, I just couldn't understand why, but oh, so funny. Yeah, especially since he's so quick on getting rid of other callers that he finds unsuitable. So yes. the fact that he stays with these uh, these callers, like Dave mentioned, and I, I wish he would have called and had told, asked Tom about that and told me he was playing a trick on him, because that would have been, <laughs> been hilarious. And uh, Dave, I am the opposite of you. Uh, I have heard Rock Rotten Roll, but I'm not as familiar with the later incarnations of the best show. My name is Andy Mascola, and I'm a listener in Nashua, New Hampshire. I've been listening to the best show since 2003. Uh, I don't know if a contrived comedy call involving one man's opinion on where bands and performers stand, given an option of rock, rot, or rule, would have worked as well on any station other than WFMU. In revisiting it, what strikes me is the patience and politeness the majority of callers have with John Worcester's Ronald Thomas Klondel character. The WFMU listeners, who are generally a very discerning music-listening audience, for the most part handle Klondel surprisingly gently. Also, who knew so many people cared about ska? Um, as far as the best show itself goes, one of my favorite moments was when Tom had jury duty. I've always loved Tom's anecdotes about dealing with everyday obligations and encounters. Um, Tom's jury duty experience happened around the same time the Tarantino and Rodriguez grindhouse films were in theaters. I remember Tom describing in hilarious detail the slovenly characters he was lumped in with and the things they were discussing. He also talked about having to watch two films about jury duty, and he said one was slightly better, and that was the death proof of the two jury duty films. Um, Tom and John's combined knowledge of music and pop culture in general and their very definite opinions on all of it are a big part of what attracted me to the show initially and what's kept me listening for all these years. Whenever an otherwise mediocre film, band, or TV show becomes illogically popular, I can always count on Tom and John to skewer it for comedic purposes. The exciting part for me as a listener is always how it will be brought up and how they'll tear it down. Newbridge for life. Yes, very well said, Andy. And Andy is very correct in the the knowledge of music, especially that Tom and John have. 
I feel I thought I knew somewhat about the history of music and, and current bands and bands in general, but I'm like a Neanderthal compared to their knowledge of especially obscure music and genres, and it's amazing uh, stuff I've never heard of, and really got me into looking into music-wise. Yeah, and they have a near. I shouldn't even say near. They have an encyclopedic knowledge of music and pop culture, but especially music. I mean, Tom and John, they could tell you the replacement bass player on a tour of a of an obscure band in the 80s. You know, it's just amazing. And uh, I really enjoyed your comment about who knew so many people cared about ska. <laughs> that was that had me in tears. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone who cared about ska back then called up to this call at <laughs> Rock Rotten yeah. Roll. Yes. Hi, my name is Nick. I'm from Tucson, Arizona. And the thing that struck me the first time I heard Rock Rotten Rule was the white-hot rage of people calling into WFMU when Ronald Thomas Clotel claimed that madness invented ska. I don't think I've ever laughed that hard in my life at anything. And with the best show on WFMU, now of thebestshow.net, I think my favorite thing in... No, it's so hard to choose, but I think I have to go with jazz fart, jazz fart. Everybody's talking about the jazz fart. <laughs> yes, the the legendary lost Frank Zappa song, Jazz Fart. That's a uh, a Newbridge phenomenon from a couple years back. Definitely worth checking out at the archives. Mm. That was uh, that was Nick of the Great Side Streets podcast. You can check him out. And again, with the uh, references to Ska, <laughs> yes. which is such an amazing part of this call. I, I'm pretty sure it must have increased the popularity of the genre itself. <laughs> you would think. Really, with all the callers combined, we actually got a, a crash course in the history of Ska. Oh, yeah. More than oh, I yeah. ever want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Linnea from Canada, and if you know me at all, you probably know me as Pizza Vankman. Um, I just listened to Rock Rotten Rule again tonight heading up north, and um, I think one of my favorite parts was my very first big laugh uh, when Tom points out he'll be missing the holiday, and Ronald says, ah, that's not a big book buying time. That's what I've been told by Penguin anyway, and uh, Tom's glorious as a response is just perfect. Uh, anyways, thank you for putting this together. I love that show. Um, I'm a big, big fan of Scott. And I have really been enjoying hitting play. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Linnea. Yeah, I have to agree. Uh, Tom's reactions in this are priceless. And sometimes he'll he'll hear out Klontel's point of view and move on. But sometimes he'll confront him on a point like whether or not Puff Daddy actually plays the guitar. Which, uh, by the way, he does not. And he does not play the piano either. <laughs> and it's something that you don't often think about when you hear this. But really, Tom plays the straight man in this perfectly. Oh yeah, definitely. He he has uh, the perfect attitude. Hey, this is Bonaventure. I'm calling in from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Uh, yeah, I'm, I saw the ad you left uh, about the waterbed in the Penny Favor, and I just wanted to. Uh... Oh, I'm sorry about that. Some uh, rodent with a cape chewing on my records. Oh boy, it looks like you got my rock, rock and rule. I got the uh, Record Store Day exclusive, and boy, do I love this record. It's like if, you know, the funniest people in the world took the best parts of rock and roll and the best parts of call-in radio 
and put it together and made this record. I think my favorite part about it is when John Worcester, who plays this music scholar, says, Magnus invented ska. And then people start calling in, and they are really mad about that. That's probably my favorite part. Not that, not that I like trolling people, not that I like, you know, people getting angry, but I, there's, there's the audacity of a joke like that that's sort of intended to, to bring people out. Uh, why I like it is because the format of talk radio gives people an opportunity to call in and question what's happening. You know, it's, it's kind of morphed into something weird now with left-wing and right-wing radio where it's all just people kind of patting each other on the back. But, you know, there was a time when you called in to have your voice heard, and that was the only way to do it. And I think that's what I really love about rock, rock and roll. And what I really love about the best show is, you know, I used to hear these people call in, and, you know, they have something to t- say to Tom, and he just hangs up on them, and it's it's so funny. And then I remember listening when I first, first got into the show and thinking, why isn't Tom hanging up on this weirdo who clearly isn't making any sense, clearly talking, you know, garbage, uh, and but clearly making me laugh. So I think that's what I really like about the best show and about rock and roll. So, uh, yeah, if you uh, want to call me back about the uh, waterbed, I can be reached at... Uh, so that point that you brought up that there was a time where t- calling into a talk radio was the only way to get your voice heard, which is especially interesting to me because I come from a generation where there was, I've never been alive, well, I've never been, I guess, not a small child when there was a time where that was the only way to get your opinion across. So to me, I can just go on the internet onto a forum or something and start some, I don't know, movement to make pizza without tomato sauce or something ridiculous <laughs> where I've never actually listened to a talk radio show like this. So I find that a very interesting point. Yeah. And then another thing I wanted to bring out is he mentioned the record store day exclusive, the rock rotten rule vinyl released by flannel graph records on record store day last year, they had a, an exclusive limited edition red vinyl pressing. And that was very hard to get, especially out here. I know I went to my local, record store, chain record store, and they had no idea what I was talking about. I know Andy in New Hampshire had the same experience with this particular chain. I had to settle for the the regular pressing, which is fine. Just to throw out there that the waterbed is still available, and please call back and we can talk more about that. Hey guys, it's Wally Wackerman. I am calling from the Bronx, New York, and yeah, so rock, rotten, rule. Really fun call, uh, interesting take on things, but um, like some of the callers who called in during it, I do have to take issue with uh, at least one thing that Mr. Contol said. I mean, Bowie rots because of too many changes? No, no, no. I mean, if anything, the changes are, are part of you know part of what kept him uh, relevant, and he's always kept up with the times and done some great stuff. I'd say he rocks and rules, and you know he, he's so good at the changes. He even made a whole song about it. And uh, I mean, come on, the guy is Jareth the Goblin King from Jim Henson's 1986 fantasy classic, Labyrinth. You just can't top stuff like that. And really, I mean, that's just how you're going to do that. Oh, hold on a second. I think someone's trying to get my attention. Um, yeah, I think, I think someone needs me for something. Um, hold on, I just want to... 
two horns <laughs> that was the the great wally wackyman ladies and gentlemen another great longtime caller to the best show and uh as a puppet he would understand david bowie's importance in labyrinth better than any of us so i'm not disputing his assertion does uh does somebody else hold the phone for the puppet that would be the z-man ah okay <laughs> david bowie out. rocks labyrinth rots Ooh, all right that's sean's opinion not mine wally that's my opinion yep Hello, this is Evan from Calgary Calling. I want to say that my favorite part of Rock, Rotten, Rule is... I know that this sounds like a cop-out because it might not be a part, so to speak, but what I really like about it is is uh, Ronald Thomas Quantel's tone as he's listing whether bands Rock, Rot, or Rule to Tom. He hit this real sweet spot where you can tell that he's he, that these things just speak for themselves whether David Bowie rocks, rocks, and rules, speaks for itself. He's tired of talking about it, so I can't help but think when I'm listening, why in the hell did this guy write a book when he's bored of this topic already and it just goes without saying? Um, it really nails what John Worcester does so early. They just they just knock that Sharply and Worcester tone out, almost perfect right from the start, and uh, that's definitely my favorite part, my favorite feature of that call, let's say. As for my uh, favorite best show moment, there's two that I want to mention really quickly. The first is from, I think, 2003-2004. The New Jersey Devils have just won the Stanley Cup. Tom has a drum set, a trap set, a trap kit, a jazz set of drums in the studio with him. (laughs) The drums and chants, uh, let's go Devils, Devils won the Stanley Cup for probably... I'd say an hour in total. It felt like an hour, a good hour in total of the three-hour show. And as well, uh, a more recent moment that I really uh, like to go back to is uh, when Tom does his list of impressions, when people are just calling them in and asking for the one word impression. Both of them, I think I love them so much because it's really just him deciding that he's in this groove where something is funny to him. He wants to push it as far as he can, uh, make it, Make it kind of silly, make it kind of uh, 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 funny, and just follow the show where it goes. And those are uh, two great moments that I always uh, laugh at and remember and try to find on YouTube or in the archives. Anyway, thanks, guys. We will talk to you soon. That, of course, was Evan from the late, great radio program, Am I Right?, which is still on iTunes if you want to check it out. But, uh, yeah, I think Evan nailed it. Tom and John hit that perfect Sharpling and Worcester dynamic like right from the get-go and these calls over the years they didn't progressively get funnier they were just funny right from the beginning it's just uh, it's just amazing hi my name is Tom I'm calling from Newbridge and um, my favorite moment with Rock Rotten Rule is basically gave me a uh I don't know. It gave me a, a, a creative life in a lot of ways, which is something I didn't really consider important. I'm sorry, I'm doing this in the middle of the night. I just finished doing the show Tuesday night a few hours ago, 
and then now I'm getting ready to do these live shows, uh, so I'm kind of up and haven't slept, so, yeah, I'm just, uh, tired, but I, uh, really appreciate you guys doing this, it's very flattering, um, yeah, Rock Run Rule is one of those things I just look at, and, um, I'm lucky to have been, uh, a part of something that was really just like magic, and it just worked and kept working and kept working for the whole entirety of the call, and it's 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 weird to just be inside one of those things. You end up being as much a spectator as anything. So yeah, it's uh, that's crazy. My favorite best show moment is uh, I don't know. I have so many. I'm exempt from that question. I'm exempting myself from it. So. But seriously, thanks for doing this. It's very flattering. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, I can't wait to hear the show. Thanks again. Thanks. Wow. A big thank you to Tom for taking the time out of a very busy schedule to call in. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible and makes me wish that I was uh, more up to snuff on knowing the content of such a great radio show and something that I think has such immense comedic value. Definitely, thank you. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, Tom, that was fantastic. And thanks for doing it so late. Above and beyond, really. Give those kind words and totally understand how he's exempt yes. um, from the final <laughs> question. I like what Tom said, though, about this call giving him a creative life. This call, aside from being a hilarious piece of comedy by itself, it really set the tone for a decade and a half of amazing entertainment. I definitely agree. And I think we should also mention that we reached out to John Worcester to ask what his favorite part of Rock, Rot, and Roll was, and his answer was rock. <laughs> I think it rules, I mean... But you, you can't rock without ruling, though. So, I mean, I guess that encompasses the two. And I will assure you that uh, there were no stinkers. That's right. <laughs> well, that's pretty much going to do it for this episode. I just want to say a big thank you on behalf of all of us to everybody that called in and contributed to the episode. Andrew, Dan, Daniel, McDavis, Nathan, Elizabeth, Sasha, Steve, Dave, Andy, Nick, Linnea, Bonaventure, Wally, Evan, and last but not least, Mr. Tom Sharpling. Thank you so much for calling in and helping us out. You all rule. Yes, and rock. Yes. Except Nick, because he had jazz in his call, so I think that means he rots, but we'll give him a pass. <laughs> no, thank you so much. I just want to remind everybody once again that the Sharpling and Worcester box set can be found at numerogroup.com. That's N-U-M-E-R-O-G-R-O-U-P.com. And getting it really helps these guys out. It helps out the show, and it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to getting mine in the mail very soon. Also, The Best Show can be heard every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time at thebestshow.net. Make sure you get the in there. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes as well. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, gorge sightings, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow <laughs> at gmail.com. Or you can talk to us on Twitter at hittingplay. You guys have any plugs? I sure do. You can tweet me in particular, at Lilliputian22, uh, if you want to talk about anything gaming-related, or, you know, just say hi. 
that's that's definitely welcome. And I do have a channel on YouTube um, with the same handle, Lilliputian22, for videos based around video games, and um, I'll, some some are a little bit vloggy, but you know. No plugs for me. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at MC and Friends, and I'm also on Vine. My name is MC and Friends there as well. I do uh, little flip page animations, little cartoons. I try to be humorous anyway. You can uh, check me out there. I also want to mention, please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, and if you do, we'll give you a shout-out on the show. Well, we have been Lily, Sean, and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play, the special Best Show edition. Thank you so much for listening. And you guys, you guys rock. <laughs> best show for life.